Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Happy Sunday. I just want to say uh, I'm, uh, I'm a lover of worship. I know that's a very general statement, but what a way to start a service. And I know that God has really started moving in everybody's hearts. And I want us to continue in that because I can only, I can only trust in what God is trying to do in this church and what he's trying to do through all of us. And we've been doing the Bible throughout the year. We're going through it all and we're learning so much. I myself have learned so much. So we're going to continue in that. And we are going to continue with Amos and Obadiah. And we learned last week about two other minor prophets. So Amos and Obadiah are minor prophets, just like Hosea and Joel were. And we want to continue with that. And I want to give you guys some quick facts about Amos and Obadiah. So how many chapters does Amos have? Amos has nine chapters. It's a quick book. Obadiah has one chapter with 21 verses. The type of book that they are is they're both prophetic books. And they are two of the 12 minor prophets. The days that they were written, it was around 760 to between 753 BC. And it is uncertain, that was Amos, Obadiah, it is uncertain about him if it was either during the time, just like in Amos and the 700 BC or 500. But from what we're going to talk about, I feel like they fit so perfectly in together. And they covered a period where Jeroboam II was the king. Jeroboam was the king of Israel. And the authors are pretty self-exclamatory. You have Amos for Amos and Obadiah for Obadiah. Even though for Amos, he wrote a mixture of poems and sermons and visions. And at some later time, they say that scribes have put those things together and made the book of Amos. And I want to do a quick summary so that we can get down into it. So in Amos, you got chapters 1 through 2 is a message to the nations around Israel. And then there's a message to Israel. In chapters 3 to 6, you have a message to Israel and its leaders. And it's pretty much an account of all their transgressions. And on chapters 7 through 9 are prophetic visions that Amos had in regards to Israel and what God had in store for them. And at the end, just like Pastor D had had mentioned to us, there was restoration of Israel. So one thing that I find amazing about Amos, the book of Amos, is that in the first chapters, you have Amos talking about all the nations and discussing all the things that they have done against Israel. And you have all of, all, of, all of those things. He even starts with saying there's three things. Maybe there's no, not even four. And actually that reminds me of, a, of, a, of the verses in Proverbs where he, God is saying there are, there are seven, six things, no, seven things that are testable. And I find that it's 
liter, liter, literary, it is very amazing how the Bible always is on the same page. And I mean, I, I just mention this all the time. I'm an English major, so I love pick, picking out those kind of things. And for me, that's also always an obvious statement that God wrote this thing. This is the word of God. This is his word. And it's so obvious throughout every single book, especially now that we're going through it. So something that I noticed is that he's pinpointing all of the, the things that they have done against Israel. And these are all cities around Israel, all nations around Israel. And you think, oh, and I can imagine reading this from the, an Israelite's perspective, saying, oh, yeah, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get what's coming to you. But the amazing thing is that at the end, God hones in through Amos on Israel and accounts for all of the transgressions that they have done. And he calls them out on sins, on specific sins. And I wanted to share with you guys the message that Amos was giving. What does that mean for us today as the church of God, as the church of Christ in today's age after the grace of God? So one thing I want to pinpoint, I want to read to you guys really quick. We're going to go to Amos 2, verses 6 through 8. This is, this is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver and poor people for a pair of sandals. Now, I know I love shoes, but you're going to sell people for shoes? They trample helpless people in the dust and shove the oppressed out of the way. Both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name. At their religious festivals, they lounge in, their debtor, they, they lounge in the clothing their debtors put up as security. In the house of their gods, they drink wine bought with unjust fines. And continuing on to Amos 8, 4 through 6, it says, listen to this. You who rob the poor and trample down the needy, you can't, wait. you can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with dishonest measure and cheat the buyer and, and you cheat the buyer with dishonest scales and you mix the grain you sell with chaff swept off the floor. Then you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Again, those sandals. Now, for me, I remember what Eddie said one time. Like, this has to be a message like a tate quieto stick, right? A little tate quieto stick. Okay, God's, gonna, God's got something to say, and he wants to whoosh, give it to us. And I don't know if you guys know, I love that, I love that phrase, and that's going to stick, the tate quieto stick. And it was never translated, so if you don't know, that pretty means like sit still. Sit still. And it's amazing to me how God... Who? The people who are his, who is his family. He needed to tell them. He needed to share with them that you need to be still. You need to be still because you need to look inside. And the one thing that I saw about the sins that they were being accused of, that God was bringing forth, is that it was about people. It was about the least of, the, of these. It was about injustices. It wasn't right because these were people that couldn't fend for themselves, that they worked hard for their money, that they were trying their best 
that they were like everyday, ordinary people, and the people with the money were taking advantage. It's not just. It's not right. And we see that over and over again in the Old Testament. We think, well, that's just the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us. But I want to talk about today how it does apply to us. There are situations in our life, I know, that each and every one of you can think of that merits the wrath of God. That merits a date quieto stick. Wow, that's a tongue twister, Eddie. Did you practice that? Figured. Though we have never had an, ever, uh, an end of the ever flowing of grace, there are still many things that deserve justice. Many individuals and groups who have been handed hard blows over and over again. We see so many different injustices these days. We see the big scale injustices. We can start naming them. We know that racism is an injustice. We know that prejudice is an injustice. We know that people, as a millennial, I feel a little bit like people are not just to me. No, I'm just kidding. That is such a millennial thing to say. Just kidding. Um, but we have so many different things, like even the wealthy against the poor. It's not right. Corporations against the working class. We can talk about it. Everyone has a point of view, and we can find anything. If we talk about it, if we lay it out, there are so many injustices. And for some of us, What gives us that holy discontent? Is there anything in your life or anything that you see that makes you so frustrated and sometimes wonder, God, why? Why is this happening in today's age? Like, can't you do something about this? Yes, he can do something about that. And we'll talk about that later. But let me share with you guys. For me personally, I cannot stand watching movies that have injustice in it. Like I literally, it makes, it literally makes my skin crawl. I, I remember one time I was watching Blood Diamond with my family. And I don't know if you guys know about Blood Diamond. It is about the, the diamond trade in Africa. And there was a scene about little children. And they were about to cut off the hand of a little boy. I couldn't do it. I had to get up. And I drove home, and I cried my, my eyes out the whole way home because I couldn't understand it. And it's movie after movie that these things come up, like Hotel Rwanda, couldn't. I was in tears on the floor, crying in the pillow because I couldn't understand how some people can be so violent, so disrespectful, so dishonest, and have no care for life, no care for human beings. You, I'm, I could get worked up so quick. There are so many things I'm sure that you guys know that just blood, make your blood boil. And we're not past it. So we're not different from the Israelites. We see it, because, and there's people out there that actually do that. There's people amongst us. We see injustices all the time. When I'm at work and you get customer service, you get some mean customers sometimes. And I cannot stand when they start being dishonest or when they start making, when they start coming at you and they start getting personal and they start saying things that you really, no human being has any business saying to another human being. And I can't stand it and I want, and I want to stand on that, but I know that that is God moving in me 
and showing me how I need to be the light. That's what this message is about. Because I tell you the truth, reading this book was difficult. It was difficult. I am telling you now, in all honesty, so God, what is it that you want us to know here at Christ Fellowship? What is it that needs to be said? And I feel like God is calling us to address these injustices. But aside from that, there was something else in this book that I felt God was really touching on. But before I move on to the second part, I felt like God was really sharing something that Jesus said to us in Matthew. And I'm going to go there really quick. It says in Matthew 25, and I'm going to start at verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a hungry a stranger and invite, invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in person or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And he continues on saying, then he, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, who you... You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. If that is not a sign that God is a just God, I don't know what to tell you. This, to me, was a truth that I needed to hear. Sometimes I disconnect the the Old Testament, and I think, what does that apply to us as a church now when we live under grace? But God is saying that that doesn't change. People, loving people will never change. And that was what Israel did. They didn't love the least of these. They were not clothing the poor. They were not feeding the hungry. They were not inviting the people who who didn't, uh, the strangers in. That was what they were doing. And Jesus simply says it here, that that's what I'm looking at. When it's time, when judgment calls, I'm dividing you up. Did you do this or did you not? That's the question. And I feel that sometimes we may get complacent. And I see that in Amos 6, 4 through 7. It says, you lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. Honestly, that hit me. Lounge on your couches. How many times do I get home and I just want to lounge on my couch? You know. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. I love good food. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. I love to dance. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. I like to smell good. 
but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. For me, that was ouch. That was my tatequietos. I'm not trying to say that we're all bad people. And I just feel that this is something that God wants to encourage us with because this is not over. This is not over. There's more to be said. But I want you guys to think about it. In your life, are you complacent? What areas? Maybe not all of them, but maybe some areas are you complacent. And I'm not trying to say that if you sit on your couch all the time or if you like music, and I was saying that because I was relating, but I'm not saying that those things are bad. But we all know that everything is good in moderation. We all know that we're adults here. We can understand that. But God is in the business of moving on your heart. And the Holy Spirit is here today. We witnessed it already. And I want us to be honest with ourselves. What are the things that we have become complacent with? What are the things that we have laid aside? Who are the people that we have ignored? Who are the people that need us? And I ask myself this question. But it's above all that. Though this might be a chastising, a slap on the wrist, the most amazing thing about God is that his heart is pure. And his heart is in this message. So while Amos, it's easy at first to be, you know, to see just the judgment of it, just to see the, the discipline of it stacked up against his people, stacked up against us, both the other nations and Israel. But in the midst of that, and underneath that first layer, we can see God's heart. I see Abba Father. I see my Father there. Relentless in his judgment, but also relentless in his desire to see his children, holy and pure like him. I look at verse, uh, I look at verse four in chapter five. It says, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Seek God and live. I think about my girls. I think about how they love to play hide and go seek. They love it. They're hilarious. And you know, they're still really little. So when they hide, they look super funny because you see them sticking out behind the, behind the wall or something. And they're like up against the wall looking at you right in the eye. Hey, she doesn't see me. She doesn't see me but I do. And I felt like that's, that's God and his joy and his love for us. He wants us to find him just like the girls want me to find them. And when I do find them, there is such a delight. They squeal. Ah, you found me. And it is amazing because of the innocent and the purity that's in them and the joy of having that relationship with their parents. I'm their mother, but imagine us with God and him being found and how he, found, he, he feels. I think about the verse in Matthew 7 where it says, ask and it will be given to you. But more importantly, the second part, seek and you shall find. That is God's promise. And that's what he was saying to the Israelites. Just seek me. Just look for me and live. 
because that's where life is. Because at the end of the day, that is what God is constantly saying to us even now. Not just to the Israelites, not just in the Old Testament, but here, now, God is calling us to seek him and to find him and to live. He says, learn from me. Get close to me. Then you'll know what it means to really live, to live right, to be a light. Because when you choose to be close to me, God says, to my holiness, you can't help but be holy. It says in 1 Peter 1, 16, it says, be holy because I am holy. And it says it is written. So it starts in the beginning. It says, and I looked at, I went back and that's from Leviticus. So God's message has always been the same. Be holy because I am holy. Look at what he did with through Jesus. That was the goal. Sending Jesus so that he, we can really be holy without any work, without anything to do but accepting that he is our Christ, that he is our Savior, and that we can be holy. Last week, Pastor D shared the book of Hosea and Joel with us, right? And something we heard God was doing is always asking them to return. Always asking always calling, always, always wanting for his people to return. We see it in chapter 4, 6 through 11. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I, set, I sent rain on on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I stuck your gardens, struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with a sword. Along with your captured horses, I filled your nostrils with the stench of your, of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a burning stick snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. All he's asking is if you would return to him. God is in the business of restoring. One thing that really stuck out to me about that passage, you were like a burning stick snatched from the fire. How many times has God snatched us from the fire? And all he's asking is for us to return to him. I don't know where you guys are at today, but I feel like there are people that need to return. We have gone too far, and God is asking us to return. He wants to make us 
instruments. He wants to make us people of God, children of God. I can't answer for you. No one around you, not your spouse, not your children, can answer for what you need to return from. But God is here waiting, and he will snatch you from the fire. God's heart has always been for people, starting with you. God's heart has always been for you. Insert your name there. He loves you, and he wants you to know him, to seek him and live. He's calling us also to be about people. He's calling us to be holy, to be like him, and he's calling us to be about people, to love people, to help people, because it hurts God when people are hurt, because he's a father. He's a true father. We were meant to be the eyes, ears, mouth, and hands of God on this earth. In God's heart, and his ultimate plan is to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. In the last chapter of Amos, we see that God wanted to restore Israel. And he was so adamant about being with them and that he does restore them. And that is what's God's heart. Again, I cannot stress that enough, that God wants to reunite with you. He said in Amos 3.2, he says, you, only, you alone, you only have I chosen of all the families on the earth. I love how God is so personal, how he's always known us by name, and how he's always wanted to have that relationship with us. I know that this is for the Israelites and they were the chosen people, but now we have Christ and we are chosen when we decide that we want to be with Jesus that we want to we be on that team. We want to follow him and have that life. He has chosen you for a specific thing. And I want to know how we can exemplify that heart. We want to be like that. I am driven to want to be more like him because I am near him. Because I sought him and I found him, I want to be like him. I want to be holy because he is holy. And that's the thing about a relationship. When you truly love somebody, you want to you wanna be all about that person. You want to know all about that person. It's the, I feel like so many people get it messed up in the sense that they think it's work. I don't want to be a Christian because I can't do a lot of things. I don't want to be a Christian because I can't drink to excess. I don't want to be a Christian because I can't have sex before marriage. I don't want to be a Christian because I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this. But that's not what it is about. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Be holy because I am holy. My prayer is that we can all get there. If we can all have that mentality if we can all have a relationship with God that we truly are seeking after him, we are going to find him. That is the promise. I stand on that. I can't stress that enough. 
And I feel like we can't miss it because life is short. If I learn anything, if I heard anything over and over again yesterday from my friends, is that life is short. It's going quick. And I don't want to look back on my life and say, I could have been closer to God. I could have done more. I could have been more. And again, don't, don't get me wrong. It is not about all the work you do, but it's just simply about being present in what God has in store for you. Being present in your relationship with him. Maybe it's like, but I don't feel that right now. I get that. I don't feel like looking for him. I don't feel like it because I've been let down. I don't feel like it. I get it. I know that. I've been there. We've all been there. But I know that God is faithful because when you seek him, you will find him. When you look for him, he will be there. You just need to send out your flare. That's it. And, and he'll be there. We saw so many injustices in this book. We know so, of so many injustices in this world. We know them and we can think about them. But how do we, how do, what does that mean for us? God, when are you going to fix that? God, when are you going to make that right? starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with our families. It starts with every decision, every word, everything that we do. Because we are seated here. And maybe you're teetering on that faith. Am I a Christian or am I not? And some of you are here and you know that you're a Christian. And we are in charge of that. We are the light. We are the instruments. Get involved. We're great at pinpointing what's wrong. But can we get great at making things right? We are good at pointing out what's wrong. But can we get great at making things right? Can we get our hands dirty? I think about that, there's a quote, and I'm going to butcher it right now because I didn't even have it in my teaching, but I love this quote. I don't want to reach heaven with my hand stretched out to God's pierced hand with my uncalloused hand. With my uncalloused hand. Wow. I don't want that. Do you want that? You want, I want to get up there with dirt under my nails. I want to get up there with cuts on my hands. I want to get up there with calluses. I want to get up there beat. Just beat like, whew, I made it. It was hard work. I did hard work back there, but I made it because you are holy and I want to be holy because you are the great I am. Maybe consider giving your first fruits. I know you guys have heard this. And now I'm going to switch it up for you guys. You hear, think first fruits, what do you think of? Money. Oh, but hey, it's good. You got it. Time. That's what I think of. Everybody automatically thinks of money, but my mind went to time. Do you give of yourself freely? Do you, do you just 
hoard up all your spare time for yourself? In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So what if it's not money? Honor the Lord with your time, with the first fruits of all that extra time you have. I get it. We work. We've got nine to fives. We've got to make it for our family. We've got things to do. But what do we do on our extra time? What is it that makes you burn? What is it that ma- gives you a holy discontent? Like my hope, and I, and I say this, and, and I'm probably putting myself up here, and i got to be held accountable for this now, but something that really, really gets, gets, aside from all those movies that I told you about, but something that I cannot understand about this world are people who traffic children. What the? Are you kidding me? And that makes my blood boil. And now that I have little girls, you, I cannot express to you how much I just want to just get out. I, honestly, I think that's why I love Marvel movies. I really like all like the Captain Marvels and the Thors. Like, don't judge me, but whatever. I love those movies because I just think, man, mm, please, just one day, God, I would, I would, I would, there would be problems. There would be problems. Just Batwoman, I don't care. Anybody, I would find all of those child traffickers and just, sorry. You get the picture, right? And I told myself, I told myself when the girls get older and I've got that extra spare time, and I'm probably, again, listen, this is me. I'm being honest with you guys. This is Ashley up here. And I'm telling you, like, I've got work to do too. We all got work to do, but let's do it together. So anyway, so I told myself that when the girls get older, I want to volunteer for organizations that are stopping child trafficking. And I want to do it. And I will do it. Because we have to do something. And that's a big scale, guys. But there's work to be done here in our church. There are people outside these doors that need our help. That face injustice every day. That really need somebody to speak up for them. That really need somebody to love on them. That really need somebody to feed them or love them or give them a word of encouragement. What are you discontent with? What are you feeling like, gosh, this is not right. This needs to get addressed. God has created us so wonderfully different with unique sets of skills and special ideas and great ways of thinking. And that's the beauty of it. We're all so different. And we're advocates of truth. We are lawyers. See, it's like that. We are the lawyers of the word of God. We stand on trial here on earth and we say, no devil, you have no authority because God has given me authority. We just sang it. We just sang it. When I open up my mouth, words are going to come spilling out that are from God and he will move things. He will move mountains. He will move pillars. He will move people. There are ugly people in power and we want them gone because we want to see the kingdom of God on earth and we want to see the kingdom of God in CF and we want to see him in Elizabeth and we want to see him in our homes 
And we want to see them in our families, in our extended families. But where does it start? Be holy because I am holy. Be an instrument of God because that is what we were designed to be. I think about this right here. It's a leveler. You guys know that, right? A level. But I looked it up and it said, this is spirit level. And it's because of the, the little bubble that's in the middle. It has to go in the middle. Everybody knows how this works, right? This, this tells us if we're on the straight and narrow, essentially, right? This table is not straight, unfortunately. <laughs> but I thought that was amazing because let me bring it back to the word, to Amos. I thought this was great, how we are, there are different instruments, how we're all completely different. And here's an instrument to tell us if we're on the street. Amos 7. I probably didn't give this to you guys, but Amos 7, verses 7 through 8. It says, then he showed me, this is Amos talking about God giving him a vision. Then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a table that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all of their sins. Now, plumb line was a, it looks different from this, but it was pretty much the same thing. It was a level and it was on a string and a weight was at the bottom and it gave an understanding if the wall was straight. I think, I believe that we are the level. I believe that we were meant to be the standard of this world. We, as Christians, children of God, are the level of this world. It's a big responsibility. Just like it was a big responsibility for Israel. And they got great consequences. But we're new creations. Christ has made us new. We have all the tools that we need to be the level of this generation. To tell them, are they in the center or not? Now, bro, you're off. You're off. Oh, it's okay to do that. No, 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 you're off. You're off. You're not in the center. And I get it. The world doesn't respect the word. But what is the truth? What is the way? What is the life? Christ. That's our truth. So it doesn't matter if there's more of them and less of us. He is calling you to be sanctified, to be holy, to be an instrument of his peace. Are you willing? Do you want it? And how bad do you want it? I want us to take some time right now, close our eyes, just think about those things in your life that you need to, that you need to surrender to God.
Think about those things in your life that are holding you back from being holy. Think about the things in your life that you get fired up for and that you want to make a change in. We are the hands, feet, eyes, mouth of Jesus. Do you see things like him? Can you pinpoint things like him? Can you talk like him? Can you work like him? Can you act like him? On good days, yes. Bad days, no. But God is not finished with you yet. And he's calling you to be an instrument of that peace. Are you willing to to just take away all of the things that hinder you? All the layers that hold you back from being who he wants you to be. when I catch my breath. (laughs) Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. There's something in your life right now that's calling out for you. Something that needs you to be the instrument of peace. There's someone, something, some situation that is calling out to you, that needs you specifically, needs your skills, needs your love, needs your affection, needs your truth, needs your wisdom, needs your life, needs your presence and your attention. No one else, because God designed you specifically to address that. You were the perfect tool for that situation. I don't know what it is. Maybe the person next to you doesn't know what it is, but you know that's what's important, and God knows. I just want to pray for you guys. Father, you're always moving. You're always good. You're always holy. And I pray, Father, that you would move on our hearts that you would move on our, in our minds and you would show things. Maybe we don't know what it is that right now, but there's something that's crawling out for our attention. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes. Maybe it's an injustice that we are committing. Maybe an injustice that we have done that we need to surrender to you. And I surrender that now, Father. I surrender that thing I haven't forgiven myself for. I surrender all of it at your feet, Lord, at the foot of your cross, because your blood has washed me clean. I am made white because of it, pure and holy because you are holy. Thank you, Father. And I pray this over everyone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. 
Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.